Cultivating Justice, Episode 3. It has a taste of its own. It has a mealy taste, a mealy, nutty taste. And because one marinates it, it will then have a different twist to it. You can either steam it or lightly fry it with whatever you want. We normally have another food called ackee and saltfish. You can have that with callaloo. You can have that with red uh, peppers, yellow peppers to give colour. And, and you salt and pepper it. And then, you know, marinate it in the way you want to marinate it. But we normally have that in the morning with maybe dumplings, green banana and maybe yam and depending on what you're going to do that day because if you've got to do a long day in Jamaica on a farm you'd need that to keep your stomach for at least until say three four o'clock in the afternoon here in the UK people normally have it as a side compliment it's designed to suppose in a sense give you that memory of being back home what your parents have cooked and then you try to continue with that heritage of having your own food. Welcome to Cultivating Justice. I'm Dora Taylor. I'm a food anthropologist, a researcher and an activist. I work for Farmerama and I'm also a chef. And I'm Sam Siva. I'm a grower, writer and organiser with Land in Our Names. And the person we heard a moment ago was Glenda True. She's a workshop facilitator, a community grower and a gardener who lives in London. We'll be hearing more from Glenda a bit later on. In this episode, we'll be exploring the links between food, growing, history and identity. Last year, we published a zine called Gourds, Banjos and Callaloo by fellow lion babe, Marcus MacDonald. You can read it on Lion's website and you can hear Marcus talk about gourds and banjos on episode five of this series. But we also thought... Callaloo deserves a spotlight too. So what is Callaloo? In some places it refers to a specific plant, amaranth, but in other contexts it can refer to lots of different greens and it's more about the way you prepare them. If you can't get hold of amaranth or a similar plant, you can make other greens taste like Callaloo if you prepare them in the same kind of way. And why does Callaloo matter? Why are we dedicating a whole episode to it? Well, I'm Jamaican-British, I was born in Jamaica, and for me, cooking Jamaican food is a really important way that I connect with my heritage, my family, my cultural roots. And Callaloo is a really special Jamaican food because it's quite unassuming. If you saw it on a plate, you'd just think it was some average steamed greens, but it's actually a very specific dish. It tastes kind of rich, a bit nutty, and you often put scotch bonnets or peppers or tomatoes with it. It's full of vitamins and iron and it's really, really delicious. And if you're talking about growing culturally appropriate food, Callaloo is one of the few Caribbean crops that actually grows really well in the UK's climate. So loads of Caribbean people in this country grow it in their back gardens and allotments. But in the shops here, you can usually only buy it in a tin imported from Jamaica. So we wanted to dedicate a whole episode to Callaloo because for me, I think it really reflects the diasporic experience. It's self-seeding, it flourishes, it adapts. 
It grows even where it might not be welcome, but it persists and it changes the spaces it's in for the better. There's another food that Glenda mentioned, ackee, that we should maybe explain for anyone who doesn't know about it. So ackee's a fruit, it grows on a tree and it looks sort of like a pomegranate with a pinky yellow hard skin. But when it's ripe, it opens up sort of like a flower and you can see the creamy yellow flesh inside. That's the bit that you eat. And it's got these huge black shiny seeds. It was brought to Jamaica from West Africa. And like Kalalu, it's a huge part of the Jamaican culture and diet. It's one of the national dishes. It's got a really smooth, fragrant taste, but it's also really savoury. In my opinion, it's absolutely one of the most delicious things to eat in the world. Another thing to mention is plantain, which is related to bananas, but tastes better cooked. They're popular in the Caribbean, Central America, and in African food too. Depending on how ripe it is, the flavour can be more sweet or savoury. They're one of my favourite things to eat. So now we've introduced some of the delicious foods that are mentioned, let's get into the episode. So a while back, Dora came over to my house to cook up some delicious vegan Kalaloo recipes. So the first thing I'm going to make is just like a kind of straightforward, plain Kalaloo I'm going to fry some onions and garlic and scotch bonnet and there's going to be some sweet pepper in there and then we're actually going to use chard because fresh callaloo is like not necessarily hard to come by but it doesn't grow at this time of the year and also I had some chard in my garden. (laughs) Perfect. And callaloo is sometimes used as just like a word for a way to prepare greens like You can basically make the same thing with chard, even if it's not what people traditionally think of as callaloo, which is amaranth. Just waiting for the oil to heat. (laughs) Yeah. And in Trinidad, apparently, according to Wikipedia, they mainly use taro leaves and things like that. And in Jamaica, they use amaranth. You're making like a vegan callaloo dish. Yeah. It's often made with salt fish. So I'm going to put some, actually not in this one, but in the fritters, I'm going to put some seaweed instead of saltfish. Jamaicans cook a lot of things with saltfish. It's quite hard sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the scissors. No scissors. <laughs> it will sizzle in it. So Dora's putting in the... Um, onions and the scotch bonnet pepper and now the garlic so we'll just like fry that for a bit so was being vegan connected in any way to like sort of like a cultural or like a political or like when I decided to become vegan it was like an environmental decision I've been vegan now for about five years. The longer I've kind of been vegan, the more I've actually understood about the like cultural history of meat and dairy-free diets like ITAL. It's the diet that is like the traditional Rastafarian diet. If you are kind of very devout, I guess. You don't eat anything processed and you also don't eat meat and dairy. So you traditionally wouldn't use salt or anything that you can't like grow basically in your garden it means that you can actually find a lot of vegan Jamaican food and yeah it's really amazing actually in Jamaica like 
when I was last there, I visited like they have a as an indigenous Rasta community just near Montego Bay, and they held like open days every month where like anyone can come, and they do like cooking demonstrations there, and they just grow like everything. It's just like right there. I think maybe like twenty Rastas live there. And they just have like an ackee tree and they just have like all their greens growing and they cook free food for everyone. Yeah, there's a lot of really nice ITAL food in London, actually, like you were saying, if you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard recently that talking about Kalaloo, that Peckham has like lots of um, self-seeded Kalaloo because so many people grow it. So it's just like dispersed and I actually know people in Peckham who grow it. So I'm not surprised and they don't even need to plant it because it's self seeds so much. So I don't know. That's sort of like this beautiful thing of like the Caribbean sort of ecological impact on that part of London too, which is um, really cool. And I feel like, yeah, Callaloo for me is also like, it's just a very warming, healthy dish it's like a more delicious spinach mm. in my mind <laughs> yeah that's that's really beautiful I love that that's happened in Peckham mm. um and you don't really think about the kind of ecological impact that communities have actually on an area I guess maybe one of the few things that from the Caribbean that actually grows really well here like a lot of traditional Caribbean food you couldn't really grow it mm-hmm. so like, no wonder people are just, like, growing it in their gardens. Mm-hmm. That's really amazing. In my mum's garden, she has loads of this weed called Fat Hen, which, in the first lockdown, I went and lived with her, and she'd, like, a bit... Someone had told her, basically, that it that you could cook it. And so we cooked it, and we were like, this is, tastes exactly like Callaloo. Obviously, we looked at it, and it's, like, quite closely related to amaranth, but it was, like, suddenly we just started seeing it everywhere as like a weed and it was like a really fun thing that we did yeah in the lockdown to like discover that there was this like callaloo just growing (laughs) in the garden yeah yeah i'm gonna add the pepper i think So what do you like to cook when you work as a chef? So I'm vegan, so all the food is vegan, but it's also, I try and do like seasonal stuff. Yeah, I think there's like a lot of vegan food, which is actually just like really processed and or made from like ingredients that are like not necessarily very environmentally beneficial or they've come from like miles away. So I try and like cook with ingredients that are growing in the UK at the time. But then I was thinking when I was getting the ingredients for today, I was like, it's obviously really difficult to make Caribbean food with stuff that you can grow in the UK. And obviously a lot of food from a lot of cultures, like you actually don't really have a choice but to buy food which is flown from. And like often you don't really know where it's come from and like you don't really know the quality of it. What do you cook with Callaloo? What do I cook? Um, yeah. Um, when I make Callaloo, I'll usually make like fried dumplings mm. and aki. I feel like almost every culture has their own dumpling. Um, yeah. In a way, like a dumpling-like thing. 
but like Jamaican dumplings are really simple and I think they're called Johnny Cakes in other countries I don't know but it's basically just flour water and salt and then I use self-raising flour so it like puffs up a little bit and so I make that into a dough and then I'll fry that and then aki again you can't grow aki in this climate it also grows on a tree and you have to wait until it's um the fruit has opened to eat it because then it's poisonous if it's not naturally opened so you can only really get it in tins here as well yeah so i'll just like cook that with like tomatoes and um you know sweet pepper and onions and garlic and and thyme and so on yeah sometimes i'll make fritters sometimes i'll make saltfish oh sometimes i do like jerk tofu where like i marinade tofu in like jerk seasoning and like with other things like soy sauce or oil and um, other bits like i feel like my mom anyway the way she makes jamaican food is that she puts soy sauce in almost everything like soy sauce is like actually a really key um element of jamaican food i don't know there's a lot of chinese people in jamaica like there's a massive chinese community there so actually i think the food has kind of really influenced each other yeah um yeah they really love soy sauce yeah and like i think that's the beautiful thing about jamaican food and maybe i'm not sure if it's the same for all over the caribbean but what i always think about is like jamaica's like you can see in the food how all these different people have come from different places and um combine these different ingredients and flavors to make something that's really delicious like aki is from west africa like they brought the seeds and like i like to imagine that it was like the enslaved workers like they brought the seeds like braided in their hair or something like you know it was like a way of bringing um some food there but then also breadfruit is from tahiti and like Mm. that was brought over to feed um enslaved workers and the first generation of enslaved workers were like what is this i'm not gonna eat it but then now it's become such a big part of jamaican food as well and then like saltfish is actually salted cod that is caught in like canadian waters and it's like this like you know cheap provisional food but it's like a key like part of jamaican cuisine again it's like these cheap provisions but then are really like wholesome heartwarming food rice and kidney beans but like we call it peas like all beans are peas in jamaica (laughs) all like chilies are peppers and like um all spices pimento and there's curries there's all these different elements and i feel like something you were saying before about uh if you're from like a migrant community and like maybe some of the ingredients that you need for like making your traditional food aren't able to grow in Britain. And then like, I don't think trade is bad. I feel like the current like systems of trade because they were built upon like this very extractive, exploitative systems and also systems that are just geared towards like profit and like cumulative growth. That's what's damaging the planet. It's not about the fact that, oh, getting some plantains from like another country or like getting some vegetables or plants or spices that you can't grow here like that's not a bad thing that's been happening for as long as humans have been dispersed we've always been trading with each other it's just how we trade is the issue and like that's something I always want to bring back when we start thinking about like trying to be hyper local because I think sometimes that can mean that we 
feel like we have to close ourselves off from so many other foods and flavors. And I just don't want to be eating turnips um, <laughs> all through the winter. Um, yeah, that was just something I wanted to say. But I think it is important to like keep in mind. How does it look? Yeah, it's looking pretty good. Everything's looking really charred in a nice way. Um, Brown and shiny. Yeah, and it's smelling really nice. Um, like the peppers have started to really soften and the onions as well. So I think it might be time to add the greens. Yeah. We've also added some of the um, Caribbean all-purpose seasoning, which is something that I also use a lot. It's really, really delicious. Um, it's a staple. It's a staple. <laughs> it's a staple, yeah. Okay, so we've just put in the chard. Gonna have a nice wilt down can't forget the thyme thyme is also like a really key ingredient for jamaican cooking it's like the main herb yeah it's like it's in absolutely everything i love it it's like so versatile so the last time you were in jamaica was 2019 yes yeah i went to visit my dad um for christmas and I was there for about three weeks, but I'd love to go for a longer amount of time. You were saying that you might be going for like a good few months. I'd love to do that at some point because I've never done that in my life since I left. Mm -hmm. um, I think it'd be really amazing to go for like three or six months and actually live there properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's sort of like a part of the um, diaspora like journey is like to also like, reconnect to your heritage in whatever ways and whether that's through food or like visiting or other ways of engaging with the culture like I think it's something that so many of us are trying to do in our own ways while also like similar to like how Jamaican food is like this fusion of all these different cultures where I think coming to like Britain and also being able to interact, especially in London and places like that, like you're constantly interacting with like lots of different types of people and how that informs your culture as well. Yeah, yeah. I totally get that. Okay, I've just added a load of time and I think it's probably ready. Oh, exciting. To eat. Yeah. Hello. So we're going to eat. Yeah. You go ahead. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really beautiful. It's very colorful, like the dark greens and the bright reds of the sweet pepper all contrasting and yeah. I love how colorful. I think the the sweet pepper like half of the reason you use it is cuz it makes it look really colorful. How spicy is it? Not spicy at all. Really? Yeah, we could add more. Yeah, we've got a lot. We've got four bottles of hot sauce sitting in front of us. I actually am going to have some of this Walker's Wood. Yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic, and I don't have any in my fridge at the moment. Yeah, just treat yourself. So I'm going to have a little try. The roti stop one is really spicy, so I have to be really, like, controlled. Yeah, I quite often overuse the... It's, like, this really beautiful yellow colour, and it's very fruity. That one is made in Jamaica, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Walker's Wood is actually a farmer's co-op as well. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I it's did quite not cool. know that. Yeah, that's really cool. And it has like the best packaging. It's like this Rasta man <laughs> kneeling over a drum, breathing fire in like a starry night sky. <laughs> it's 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 art.
so yeah i think the chard is like it works yeah it does work doesn't it yeah yeah definitely i feel like um kalalu has like almost a bit more of a bitter taste than chard in a way yeah and it's a little bit more delicate but like you know it gets like that a little more like silky wiltedness yeah like chard has is more like chewy but it's still delicious yeah, a good way to cook chard. There was one point where I just had so much chard that I was like running out of recipes. <laughs> mm. That's really nice. try to find your food and obviously it's very difficult to grow up here but people are always seeking to grow food from home whether it be green bananas or a banana we got okra callaloo chocho which is another one and many many things we always try to seek to develop the growing of that food sweet potato i tried last year and i got four very large sweet potatoes and from that I'm growing the slips and I've now spoken to a few people within the sort of community group and they've got slips and said oh you've got what have you got you've got this and that how does that one grow it grows like this and then you then start to partake in handing around those uh, seeds or slips or plants I'm open to showing anyone what to grow and how to grow first time I grew calorie would have been about Five years ago, five years ago, my first experience, I threw too many seeds out and they did come in bunches. I was able to weed some, but not many. And obviously the following year um, when they seeded, wow, it's even worse. There was a cluster of them and I got to them when they were very, very healthy. Some were fat, some were very, very thin. Obviously the thin ones where they were competing with each other, but I did get a, a, you know, a good crop out of that. Buying Kalaloo, it is expensive. And people will try to find Kalaloo wherever they can. People love it, people hunt it down. We have to grow it because it, it, it becomes like a, a delicacy. It becomes expensive. I very rarely see it in the market, very, very rarely. I think people individually hand it around to their households, to friends and family, rather than sell it because it's a, a rare commodity in that sense. So we don't. Uh, abuse it by trying to sell it. Seeds are available, you can purchase them, but they're very expensive. Make sure that you do save your seeds and and hand them around. You can give a thousand seeds or more to your your neighbour on on the allotment. You can start off it in April, you sprinkle, you broadcast. Don't broadcast too many seeds. Obviously the seeds would compete with each other and it will, as I say, will bunch up in clusters and so you'd have to sort of weed a few of them out so by july august you'd be able to start reaping 
uh, the, the benefits of harvesting, as I say, the callaloo. It's cut and come again in effect. After a while, uh, towards the end of uh, September, October, it start getting very woody. So towards the end of, uh, say, September, October, the flower heads will be coming out. When you do get your harvest, you'd get millions, literally millions on the heads. They, uh, when they do bolt, they come into a, a fluffy head, light, light fluffy head. Try to pick them off on a dry day. Out of just one head, you get a thousand. So you've got a, a, a whole lot, let's say 30 or 40 plants. You could imagine how many seed heads you can get from them. And so you tap them out, let them dry as well. They are very, very prolific. You'd never, ever, ever have to find another packet of seed again. I would um, advise anyone to, you know, if they want callaloo, you know, grow it. So I've made the mix for the fritters, which is gram flour, which is chickpea flour, um, some water and some onions and some all-purpose seasoning. And for this, I've used like a tin of callaloo that you get in the shop, um, which is usually how I get callaloo here. Often these fritters would be made with salt fish but I've added some seaweed to give a similar flavour. I saw a recipe for like um, dumplings once where they put like butter and like loads of other stuff in it. And I was like, wait, 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 no, no, this is wrong. <laughs> Don't claim this is Jamaican or something. I, this is offensive. <laughs> I feel like the point of dumplings is that they're like, quite simple to make yeah you don't need that many they were like saying need leave it to write oh and i was like no. this is not no this isn't it's not bread yeah. it's literally like fried dough okay i think, I think yeah, yeah give it a go the oil looks, yeah i'm gonna get a spoon yeah <laughs> amazing okay i'm just dropping like a spoonful of the batter into we've got like quite a lot of oils we're kind of deep frying them that's making a really nice sound mm. let's wait a bit okay so Dora has made the fritters. They're looking really nice and crispy. Um, and green. Yeah, really green from the callaloo and probably the seaweed as yeah. well. They also smell really fishy. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, so we're going to eat some of them with the charred callaloo dish. Yeah. Maybe some hot sauce. Definitely, well. I was just thinking <laughs> that. Like... So good. Like really crispy and on the outside but like soft and yeah they've turned out well actually mm, really good yeah really good flavor i love gram flour i feel like it just like gives a really nice like stickiness of things they go well together yeah really good told us that she got into growing pretty much by accident in her late 30s. 
She'd chucked out some vegetable scraps in her garden, including some tomatoes, and she dug them into the soil. After a while, of course, they started sprouting, and so Glenda picked them out and transplanted them, and that's how it all started. She's also massively into composting. She calls it a beautiful science. Glenda's now involved with Ital Garden. That's how Dora heard about her. It's an Afro-diaspora-led community garden in Lewisham, southeast London, which was set up by a group called Coco Collective. They grow culturally diverse foods and healing herbs, and they also run workshops in arts and crafts, mental and physical health, and food growing. It's an intergenerational space, and it's open to everyone. So ITAL is um, a group of African and Caribbean people who want to learn how to grow, I say our food, say tropical food. I was invited. Would you like to assist us in a few workshops? The uh, first workshop, we're just potting up seeds. And they were quite excited. They're very young. They're only, I think, a year old. And they're doing quite a lot for the community. I think they, they're there every Wednesday and Sunday, weeding, turning the compost. They're germinating their seeds for the very first time. It's a good feeling on the one hand, but then I feel quite sad that this should have been done many, many years ago. Growing your culture-specific food it, it is a warm feeling. The ITO group is bringing younger people to the allotment and, and sharing the information. Many of them would not be living in, uh, say, houses. They were living in uh, large estates and so forth and not have gardens, per se. So it's, it's, it's our duty to show them how to start with uh, growing food and having small gardens as they would have back home. And many of them are bringing seeds to us. A lady from Zimbabwe would have very unusual seeds but you'd need like a, a greenhouse, a warm heaters and so forth. Very large, extensive resources to, to bring forth what you really wanted to bring forth. There's only a few things you can grow, but one of them is, is Callaloo, which is doing quite well, I think, in this country. It would be one of the, the plants which would be on every African and Caribbean allotment. It is their first year, so I'm hoping that they'll see this year in, in its plenty. You can find out more about ITAL Garden on Instagram at cococollective underscore org and search ITAL Community Garden on Eventbrite to sign up for their gardening sessions and open days. You can also read the Gourds, Banjos and Callaloo zine on Lion's website at landinournames.community. The Cultivating Justice podcast series is made by Sam Sieber, Hester Russell, Abby Rose, Katie Revel, Nadia Mehdi, and me, Dora Taylor. This episode featured me, Sam Sieber, Dora Taylor, and Glenda True. We heard music from Bianca Wilson, aka Island Girl. And our series music is by Taha Hassan. Thank you to our funders, Farming the Future and the Roddick Foundation. And a big thank you to everyone who's contributed in any way. Visit landworkersalliance.org.uk forward slash cultivating dash justice to find out more.